Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling to messy situations shits and conscious and coupling from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu text sex regrets so feeling on your new jubu they gon' talk about it ah yeah you are invited ah needing therapy I guarantee baby we got it it's couples Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. I'm Naomi. I'm Andy. We're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Now, Andy, yes. just as I was doing the intro, I realized this window was open. Yes. And based on how I can hear everything the neighbors do, yes. I was like, oh, great, they can hear me doing the podcast intro. 100%. Probably loud and clear. And I was like, should I just get up and close the window as Andy's talking? I was immediately self-conscious since I realized the window was open. I say, fuck it. If we can hear all their phone conversations and parties and stuff like that, you know what? They get to hear our sparkling podcast conversations. Oh, good God. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that's what having a neighbor is about. Hearing a podcast. Especially in Los Angeles. <laughs> in Los Angeles, having a neighbor is hearing a podcast. Yeah, it's not hearing like them have sex through the walls or whatever yeah. like that, right? It's hearing, it's hearing them do, you know, sell stamps.com or whatever <laughs> exactly. like that. Absolutely. So you know what? That's it. I'm just being neighborly. Right, right. In New York, it's definitely like you share a wall and you're, you're hearing a lot of 
way too much intimacy. Right, 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 right. And this one is, welcome to another episode of <laughs> Chuckle Thoughts on Ch- Todd. <laughs> uh, chuckle Thoughts. Okay, we're going to talk today about cancel culture. <laughs> it's rampant. I can't say anything anymore. I mean, think about it. Louis C.K. just has to like hang out with his millions of dollars continuing to do shows totally canceled. All I want to say is terribly reprehensible, racist, anti-Semitic stuff, and no one will let me. I know, dude. It's insane. And then when I do, Netflix gives me three specials. Canceled. It sucks. Canceled. I, can- I can't believe I'm canceled. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We are not making a pivot. Okay? <laughs> Granted, we are on day 144 to strike. And it could be tempting to pivot, but we ain't pivoting. We ain't pivoting. Look, if we, we pivoted, pivoted, we would be fucking millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Lord knows I could let this crusty hair of mine take me straight to the top because Candace Owens looking savage for years. Okay, Candace Owens said these white people don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody dogged her out, and then she said, "Okay, I guess I should work on my hair a little bit. Yeah. If I'm gonna be out here." Candace Owens out here, ashy and savage. Owens, but I love that we don't really oh. know her name. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think it's like it's like actually very good for us. Oh. Candace Owens? I don't know her. <laughs> oh my god, yes, we're coming to you on, we're recording this Saturday. But this drops Tuesday, so how was, how was everyone's Yom Kippur's? Yom Kippur, singular. Yeah. How was everyone's singular Yom Kippur? Did you atone? Did you atone? Did you atone? Did you get right with Chuck High? Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you didn't, I don't even want to hear from you. Did you download a new ring atone? No, not allowing it. Today, uh, allegedly, you know, for those who are interested in strike updates, allegedly uh, the negotiating committee is, not allegedly, they are. They are still negotiating (laughs) with uh, the AMPTP and the CEOs are in the mix. And I said, they got CEOs working on a Saturday. I said, honey, you know they ain't ready. You know they up there being like, excuse me? I'm not supposed to be doing things on this day. I have my golf clubs in my bag, and my second mistress is expecting me. By the way, on any day, they could be saying, well, sure. I shouldn't be working on well, this Well, sure, day. but I think, you know, they out here trying to get time and a half. Huh. You know what I mean? They said, it's a Saturday. It's an OT, and it's like, babe, y'all. I should be in Bohemian <laughs> Grove right now doing some weird ceremony with a wooden owl or whatever. Absolutely. I should be at Sun Valley. I should be at Davos. These are the three places I should be. The I should three. be in my compound in New Zealand. Exactly. Preparing, trying to figure out what kind of shot collars to put on my mercenaries. When everything falls apart That was really a thing I saw I think it was David Rushkoff Is that his name? I don't know He wrote a book I think this is him But whoever the person is They wrote a book They hung out with billionaires Because the person I think it's David Rushkoff Is a kind of like Quote unquote futurist Uh huh And he wrote a book About hanging out with these billionaires And like one of their questions was So like when everything falls apart You know I have my mercenary squad But how am I going to stop them From taking over my compound? (laughs) <laughs> that was their question not like hey how do we maybe like change course on history right to stop or society to stop that falling apart yeah, no, it no, is no. you know in what way can i control my mercenary shock squad right from so that they can protect my compound from the unwashed masses who want all my hoarded you know wealth right and clean water mm-hmm. absolutely that's fun <laughs> that's fun so that's who we're negotiating with right now you know what i mean those are, the, they, people, those yeah. are the people we're trying to like you know explain hey this is what we need to live and they're like you are unreasonable yeah do you want to be part of my mercenary shock squad <laughs> then maybe we can talk 
Absolutely. Um, Andy, do you want to say something on the mic to free yourself? Because I think something's <laughs> been taking over your brain for a couple days. Yeah, sure. So, okay. So maybe you know about our one neighbor. Naomi, do you want to just do a quick recap of your very first meeting with him? We've talked about this before, but just to like... Yeah, the first time I met our neighbor, I was like coming outside to throw something out and I had been, I was home alone and I was watching true crime and <laughs> I didn't really know how the house worked and when he started walking up the same stairs as me I was like what are you doing you're going into my house and he was like no and he's like I live over there because I didn't realize that there was a back door to or, the other to, to the, the other, other apartment <laughs> right there and I was convinced I was about to have a true crime of my own and then you know he was just like it's been, let's just say, since then... It was never great. A cold relationship with never our great. neighbor. It was never great. It, was it never didn't great. start out well, and it's never... Every interaction has been roughly the same... Level of awkwardness and discomfort yeah. at all times. So, I'm taking the trash out. Yeah. And he's out there with a friend of his. Yeah, this uh, is this week. This yes. This is a few days ago. A few days ago. And he goes... Oh, so you, I, don't, I don't know if you saw when I'm moving out. And I go, yeah, I saw. Or something like that, right? And then he goes, so we're having a party. And like, I start sweating because I think in my mind, I'm like, is he about to invite? We've never had a good relationship. Is he about to no, invite us to a party? No. And I'm like, in my brain, like, I don't know what he saw in my face because in my brain, it's like everything. It's like a bunch of cars tried to get into a tunnel at once mm-hmm. <laughs> and all jammed up at the entrance because I'm just like, wait, is he inviting us? Do I have to tell him? Oh, you know, we don't go in play. We don't. <laughs> we don't go in stores if we as don't some, have to. You know, if, I'm like you. I know that what he saw in your face. I can tell you what he saw in your face. Okay, he saw a deer in headlights who was trying to look upbeat, but was also very afraid. Uh, okay? And I just go, "Oh, cool." <laughs> and he goes, "Just so you know, it's going to be loud." And yes. I guess. Oh, no worries. And I run as fast as possible back into our apartment. Of course. Of course. But there really was. And I think he thought that I thought he was going to. That Certainly. I was expecting an invitation. Of course. And that's that's what's keeping that's it up. The, yeah, that's that's the, the, yeah. But that's the relationship, which is that we completely misunderstand each other. Every single time. Every single time on every single level. But I think what's been, you know, in your head is like, it's like him thinking that, you thought you were <laughs> yes. going to be invited. Like, yes. where it's like. I don't want you thinking I was trying to hang out. Yeah. Especially not at this juncture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the idea that he might be like, oh, my neighbor like thought I was going to invite him. <laughs> like that's what's been really in your head. And that's why I think it's important that you uh-huh. release that demon in the intro to the episode. Because what I imagine their party is, by the way, is like Warhol's factory. That's, that's what's in my head. <laughs> but in the apartment. What? <laughs> Yeah, in their apartment, obviously. Yeah, it's yeah. not a loft. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In, in the Lower East no, Side. No, I'm saying the energy, but no, I'm clarifying the idiocy because it's in our apartment. Because you're saying you're imagining Warhol's factory, but uh, but in the apartment that is simply a mirror of you ours. You know, yes. So, you know. So that's it. Like, little lights, like, waving around and, like, odd films playing on different parts of the apartment. Yeah, everyone yeah, in, like, yeah, black yeah. turtle, like, everyone looking like the Velvet Underground. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm yeah, imagining. That's what you're imagining. <laughs> and then, yes, yeah, so it's going to be loud, but. I think I want to say, but the thing that bothers me about this entire interaction mm-hmm. is I, there was actually no details provided. What day is your party where it's supposed to be loud? Oh. <laughs> so for somebody who goes, I'm having a party, it's going to be loud. And this is why I was like, he's just as awkward as you. Because I was like, why wouldn't he have said, on Saturday, on Friday, I'm having a party and it's going to be loud, FYI. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there are ways you communicate clearly to people that can be very succinct that also didn't take place. Yeah, well, you know. So, you know, it's like, bless blessings i hope you i hope everything is beautiful 
Uh, Naomi, right before we get to who our guest is today, we have a Patreon, okay? Still, at least as of today, on strike. Right. Patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. All right. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes. If you like the intros, if you like the vibes, if you like a little tea, that's what you're getting on the page, babes. That's what you're getting on the page. We name names. We should probably even do another Q&A, maybe at the end of this month or something. Why don't we do it like mid-October, okay? We'll do a Q&A on the Zoom. I'll put up a link. You can just drop by, ask us any question you want. We will not probably actually name names, but we will. I will, but you can't be recording nothing, okay? Uh, no. We can't. We can't. If the strike ends, we can't immediately become pariahs because we... The Patreon's supposed to be a safe space. If I can't talk to my homies on the page, <laughs> I just don't know. So, patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. Sign up there. And now, Naomi, who is our guest today? Y'all, you've already heard her dulcet tones. Mm-hmm. We have, we have an icon, uh-huh. okay? We have the one, the only, Angelica Ross yep. on the podcast, honey. Yep. You know her. Actress activist entrepreneur saving us all uh-huh. saving us all i, I would should say we recorded this before she went scorched earth on ryan murphy and everyone this last week she, so before she told her tr- she told the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help us god okay so it's amazing uh yeah this is a this is a great episode uh she was so warm so open and uh also, just dropping truths left and right. Yeah. You know, Angelica said, okay, if I've been called to the microphone, I'm going to use my time. <laughs> Don't waste Angelica's time. She's going to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Maybe and, one of our favorite episodes of Pose, right? Candy's funeral. Oh, my God. Oof. Of course. Absolutely. Oof. Oh, my God. Okay, you guys, without further ado, roll it. Angelica Ross, thank you so much. Ah, thank us. you for inviting me into this space. We are such. I didn't know why I got the uh, invite. I didn't know if you were trying to invite me to be a unicorn. I was like, wait, it's <laughs> couple, but I'm just a single. I don't know. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. Oh no, we want to hear from. Look, we've all been in the single trenches, in the yes. coupled trenches, right? It's yes. all trenches, depending on where you had emotion. It, it truly, truly is. You're right. Yes, just like World War One, all trenches and. People just like looking over, hoping not to get shot. <laughs> All right, that's dark. Now, how are you doing emotionally? You've had a busy day. You're busy, busy. Is this, are you always busy, busy? Is that how you like it to be? Is today a different day? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that my subconscious loves being busy. Uh, my conscious self is like, why is my schedule doing, why is all this happening right now? But I know that I probably don't feel uh you know at my utmost if i'm not like pretty active um but what that looks like is when you're an entrepreneur or you work for yourself and you create your own opportunities um you know it can be a little um hard to say when to stop you know when it comes to working because as an entrepreneur there's always something else to do you can work on the marketing you can work on the graphics you can work on the content the writing you can work on you know all of the things and so as a business i'm not obviously just a talent and a face like i'm a business Mm -hmm. and so you know when you want to be an entrepreneur you have to realize that if you don't like working uh (laughs) and you think that 
uh, you're going to escape the nine to five uh, by becoming an entrepreneur. Understand that your nine to five will turn into a six a.m. to a to nine p.m. Right, you know, it, right, it just right, right. there is no longer a nine to five, and you're going to work way more than you ever did work for someone else. But the payout for me is worth it when I work it when I know I'm working for myself. So I like to stay busy. Yeah, okay. See, for us as comedians, it's the 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 difficulties in uh, starting. Not stopping, but starting in the first place. When do I get <laughs> off the couch? When yeah. do I? Oh, I see. Yes, getting the headspace. But at the same time, I do no, feel not like... headspace. Just uh, I'm going to leave the couch. <laughs> but I also <laughs> feel as though the, the self-motivation required, that is something that I personally have not unlocked yet. You know, like meaning the way you're saying like get up and, you know, there are a lot of pieces to put in place. You know, I see other comedians, for instance, who are very good at like their online clips and making sure they're posted and doing, you know, that part of it. And... When I was starting out, the goal was just to be good at fun comedy, right? Like, be so funny, you're undeniable. Now it is be an entrepreneur, right? Whatever the thing is, it's like build it all up from the ground up. Well, I think that's because as a creative, uh, and I think, um, you know, not to, you know, but like to bring up folks like Dave Chappelle. I think that uh, one of the things that early in his career, one of the things that um, I think broke his heart um was the intersections of creativity and commerce mm. and understanding what you what are some of the compromises uh that you have to make when you are doing the dance with uh not just capitalism but with the the sort of gatekeepers of capitalism because mm -hmm. capitalism is one thing then there's another where there's actually folks who have so much freaking power that all they do is at the point in your direction and they can make something happen for you because they have the resources and they have the networks to do that um it usually comes with a price mm -hmm. it usually comes with a huge price on it that folks are just not aware of and they don't find out until later that they after they signed on the dotted line that they have to give up more whether it's concrete creative control or whether it is that they have a morality clause and something you talking about or whatever it goes against you know their vibe because mm -hmm. one thing i know i talk about white supremacy too much and so i know <laughs> I, I i i i know that a lot of brands is like mm -mm, not her you know what i'm saying yeah. So, so, so what you have to learn as an individual entrepreneur and creative is until your business builds up, you have to learn how to wear the multiple hats and you have to understand that everything you do is a business. So I always talk about whether we're talking about my body is my business or whether we're talking about your life and, and approaching your life as a business, you have to understand that like everything is marketing. Uh, yeah. Coke over Pepsi, McDonald's over Burger King, even though McDonald's fries do be slaying. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times it's who's doing the better marketing. It, many times when people are selling almost even the same thing, it is the marketing. So to understand in a business that you have the product and then you have the marketing, you have service. Uh, like, and you have customer service, you have all these different, you have administration, meaning oh, answer, yes. answering the email, you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? So until you're able to employ the entire team, you've got to be every single hat and learn how to wear the hat. And, and not only do, because the way, the why, reason why it's so important, because in capitalism, it's, it's also full of a lot of uh, uh, scammers. And yep. so 
people will sell you the moon mm -hmm. and will give you a moon rock instead. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yep. So, so you have to know as a, somebody who has worn the hat already, I know that ain't supposed to look like that. I know that ain't supposed to go this way or whatever, mm -hmm. or I want it to be at least at this level. And if you can't have it at this level, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. And and so getting to a place where you create a level of quality around about what the content and whatever it is that you're doing, and you set the standard so that when you're ready to pass the hat over to someone else to wear, you 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 don't have to. It's not like a, 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 what do they call it, a, um, a wild card and just seeing what's going to happen. No, they're going to follow what the, the sort of example that you've set and understanding that without marketing, your business is not going to do as well, no matter how much people like you. Right. I think here's the thing. And I'm going to combine the two. I'm going to call it racial capitalism. And I, I'm when I was joking before and I was saying kind of like, you know, it's tough to get off the couch. I think some of the emotional work that is very difficult to uh to do and some of the barriers it's difficult to leap over are that commodification of the self and being like all right like yeah. just like thinking about like where am i going to draw this boundary like what am i going to give of myself to this system of racial capitalism and what am i not going what am i going to hold back and then what are they going to demand of me and how mm -hmm. am i going to navigate that because i'm not you see why i picked him angelica you see because you can't they ain't too many of them you, listen you can't just pick any old white one you they really can't. can't no you, can't you gotta make you gotta make <laughs> listen because one thing i learned about dating and racial dating all of the things let me tell you black women <laughs> Y'all listening? I hope you're listening. Let me let me just tell you. Look, I love black love. You understand what I'm saying? I love black love. And, you know, your girl had, for a while, was holding out, right? I'm, I'm holding out for my black king and my black, <laughs> you know, all the things or whatever, while also depriving myself of love, while depriving myself of folks who want to give me love or show me love. Um, and so what I've learned from dating everybody of, of from different backgrounds or whatever is that just because he's black doesn't mean he's going to have the racial politics and that I need him to have, especially to be inclusive of me as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. So I don't care. It, it could be, I don't care if you're white, if you're black or whatever, being with someone like me, uh, you better understand while I, why I say the things that I say and point out the things that I do. And if you get in your feelings about it, I do not have time. Yes. Yes. I don't have time for your white tears, your white feelings, or all that. I need you. I need you to process that before we get to this stage. Yeah. Before, yeah, before yeah, we yeah. get here, you know, because it ain't about you. Because the simple fact of me going on and opening my Instagram as a black woman is to encounter violence, is to encounter yeah. uh, colorism, yeah. is to encounter misogyny, is to encounter transphobia and homophobia on a daily without right. requesting it. So to not know why, how I have to position myself, that's why I, I, there was, it's funny because I, I posted a clip, uh, a reel the other day and my comment section just went whoosh, like up in flames. And it was like this black woman who was saying, I don't hate men. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You should be, you should be angry at people who kill you. Oh yeah, I love that clip. I did have it saved. I had it saved. <laughs> I looked her up. <laughs> looked her up, followed her. Exactly. You know, and because, you know, again, she's pointing out some very simple things. And I think what happens is when we talk about patriarchy, um, 
if we're talking in some of my circles, like when I'm with the Black Feminist Future and the conference they have, and I'm with other Black feminists, Tarana Burke and, you know, Charlene Carruthers and Mary Hooks, and, you know, we talking to, okay, it all, we understand what patriarchy is. We understand the evils of patriarchy. But what happens is due to religion and all kind of other things, uh, our society has put a cute outfit on patriarchy. <laughs> and some people buy into the portrait of patriarchy with a woman at the side and the man leading the thing. And it's a picture of patriarchy and don't see anything wrong with it because all they see is this cute idea of patriarchy and not the violence that patriarchy enforces. And, and not just that, but then how it's upheld by, by men who are quote unquote, well-meaning men. And mm -hmm. if we can point out the fact that the road to hell is uh, also paved by well-meaning white people who say they're not racist, they're not whatever, but they're not anti-racist. Right. They're not uh, proactive enough. So we know enough to call out those folks. We should also be able to call out the other folks who say, well, I'm one of the good ones. Sweetie, if you're not speaking up about it or calling it out or you want to judge this woman about how she responds to oppression more than you want to have a commentary about the oppressor, sweetie, you are a part of the problem. Right. Mm. Right. Now, with all this, because obviously it's like, you know, you came to the podcast and you said, let's preach on it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you came, smoking. You came, yeah. <laughs> you said we don't have a lot of time. We no. got to lay it down. Yeah. Well, you talk about, for instance, when you're around um, uh, black feminists, people where you're like, we're on the same page from the jump, right? Part of this is, is or has been, has cultivating that community been part of, for lack of a better term, because it's such a, it feels so ugh, weak, but self-care, right? I, was gonna th I thought you were going to say that. Because I am, because you're talking about, you get like the work of it all, right? We're talking about what it is to build your own business, in essence, um, set yourself up for success in a world that is not designed for you to succeed, right? So that's a, it's not just full-time job, it's working overtime, because it's already not set up, right? So, and the fact that you said, you're like, you know, I'm doing it, and you and you know you do it for as long as you have to. I guess I'm looking at what does it look like when you do rest, when you do have fun, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest, when I rest and when I have fun, a lot of times I'm unplugging from everything and everyone. Uh, so... Uh, the reality is I live, I wherever I live, uh, any space that I'm in, it's usually my refuge. Um, it's where I chant. It's where I restore. It's where I rest. It's where, you know, I, I just kind of come back to myself. And for because my life is big and because people are always asking me something, whether it's, you know, uh, I'm giving a keynote at the GLAAD uh, Creator Summit on Friday. Um, I'm, you know, speaking to Chase Women's Summit in, uh, in October in New York. I'm uh, doing this Elevate thing in Toronto. Uh, you know, I have, I have my podcast that I'm, I'm about to launch here, what have you. So, and, I, and I also show up at all these conversational spaces. I talk a lot. Um, I understand the power of dialogue, especially when it's intentional. Um, and so I show up. Mm -hmm. And because I know that I show up, it's really easy for me a, to give myself the okay to now not show up, to now go, you know, be by myself or what have you. But as you were saying before, when it takes to building this feminist community, you know, it's, it, 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 I have to say this, I have to point this out because Community is everything, and 
what we need to understand is we talk about community very loosely in the ways that we talk about friends like Facebook. And people say, oh, yeah, I'm friends with that person on Facebook. Are you friends with them? Or is that what they called it on the button that you clicked uh-huh. to add a person? But that person is not really your friend. Uh-huh. Um, and there are people we say we're in community with when we actually are not in community with them. So when we talk about the black community or the woman community, I want to say which one. Mm-hmm. because it's multiple communities. And one thing that I've learned is the reason why we as black people struggle so much in community with each other is because Peter Block, who is a, a author of a book called Community, he says the admission prize for community is accountability. And so how can you be in relationship in a, with someone and say, yes, I'm in relationship with that person if I don't have a relationship of accountability with that person? I'm not claiming nobody that right. I don't have no, no, no way to have no you know, accountability over. So what's happened is so many black and brown people have had the experience of being rejected from their families and from religious spaces and have been pushed out into the streets into street economy, into all kinds of things. And that's where you see that, um, you know, like houses were formed, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so because they were kicked out of their houses, that's where they found community or family. The next level to that is we're trying to get free. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a group of people who are focused on that. And what was going on was it was usually white LGBTQ led organizations like the national. They were called gay and lesbian task force until we had to drag them to the line of freedom <laughs> and say, is you only focusing on gays and lesbians? Do you think that mm-hmm. gay covers trans people, too, and bisexuals and blah, blah, blah? Get it together, sweetie. Mm-hmm. So we had them get, you know, their their title together, but they would have something called creating change. A yearly conference where 4,000 people will come around the country, executives and community organize, grassroots organizers, and we would learn about systems of oppression. We would learn the language and understand uh, internalized dominance or internalized oppression into uh, how that reverse racism is not a thing and just all just breaking <laughs> down all of the things and understanding the layers of misogyny and misogynoir and all of these things. So what's happening is over years and now over a decade, there's been a community of LGBTQ people who've been coming together year after year at various conferences, developing the language to set ourselves free. So what then happens is because we are an LGBT community and we were in a space that was mostly white led, once black and brown, queer and trans people got the tools, we use those tools to flip the table in those very houses and places that we were in. We took snatch mics out of people's mm-hmm. like literally years video footage of the Trans Latin Coalition, of Trans Women of Color Coalect- a Coalition, of different groups having to snatch the mic because of the erasure of trans people and our issues and the focus on like marriage equality and different things like that. So we learn tools of accountability. So then what happens is we're in a general society and you got cishet straight folks who, who either are on one side oppressing folks or, or on the other side trying to get into the party. <laughs> and try and try and trying to use our language and use our lingo and all these different things. Then you have a rapper like the baby who assaults all of us. 
gays, mm-hmm. women. If your yeah. if your vagina don't stink, put your lighters in the air. If you're not in the parking lot sucking dick and don't got HIV, you know, like just doing all of this stuff. And black queer and trans people said, you know what? Uh uh-uh. uh. We're not doing this no more. And then when we said we're not doing it no more because he attacked HIV AIDS, that ain't just a black issue. It included all of us, everybody in this uh, thing as well. And then the women are like, well, y'all didn't say nothing when he was saying something about the women and blah, blah, blah. It's like, sweetie, we've been saying it. We've been at the rallies. We've been all the other stuff, but you still twerking. So when you done twerking to the song or whatever, like we here trying to tell them not to do these things. But what it is, is that black, queer and trans people have learned a type of leadership and accountability that black women are still struggling to have with black men. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're still struggling to hold the Russell Simmons, to hold the folks accountable who have abused, not only abused women in our communities, but are still being celebrated by other men. That's what we're talking about when we mm-hmm. say, I don't hate men, I just hate the men that um, uphold the patriarchy. Yeah. So where does that leave us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is like, all of this together is like, going back to like a question that I'm curious about, about about you is that you know knowing all this knowing the pressures and knowing uh the pitfalls you know at what point do you become comfortable with the in the hollywood or this industry or any yeah. industry knowing that all this stuff like uh growing up in a white supremacist capitalist nation right where the businesses are all infused with all this stuff because they are businesses built by, you know, built by people that live here. And then the nation reinforces all the beliefs and, you know, it's a vicious circle, right? Do you, like, at what point do you become comfortable being like, all right, I guess I still have to live in this world and right. I have to do my thing. You don't, you never come, you never get complacent. Don't ever get complacent with the errors don't ever get complacent with disrespect. We should never be complacent with that. And so what it looks like for me is the strike. It looks like uh, the strike uh, for SAG, of the WGA, of UPS, uh, whoever else, uh, because it ain't just Hollywood. It's not Hollywood. This and, and it's so bad. Let me tell you, it's so bad. Like I kind of just sit back and just be like, okay, whatever. Because like we're still we have to understand that there are other ways to be violent. There are other ways to be oppressive. Um, there are other ways to create sort of like a service service indentured servant almost servitude. Um, when you have white people, organizations, and companies who mostly run industry. So what I'm talking about is the financial industry. I'm talking about the NFL, Mm -hmm. the NBA, Hollywood, corporate America. I mean, literally, they all can get a slice because y'all got us over here still celebrating first. Mm -hmm. Y'all got us over here still celebrating the first black woman to the first black man to the first trans person to, and we are supposed to continue to clap and be okay with the status quo and how slow things are moving. It's honestly the complacency that has been our greatest enemy. Uh, There's a book uh, called from good to great. 
and it explains how good is the enemy of great. Mm. So, and so is the 40 acres in a mule. Because we've got places like Georgia, where I own my home, you know, where people want to coin it as the Black Hollywood. And it's because the appearance of prosperity, because land is a little bit more accessible. Uh, some opportunities are a little more accessible to Black people, but it depends on what county you're in. Right. It depends on if you smoke weed or not. Yeah. It depends, you know, so there's so many uh -huh. layers to it. So the fact that things haven't changed as much as we like to is because each of us is being sold a level of comfort and nobody wants to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was the deal that was made post-World War II, right? Was that, all right, everyone calm down. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna give you nice little homes in the suburbs. Yep. You're all gonna get some. Everyone of you. gets a little. Some box. of you are well, gonna get. Well, yeah, most of most you, of you white people are gonna get these. <laughs> right, and we're gonna right, give right. you the illusion that if you play by the rules, you'll get one too. Yes, if you're absolutely. good enough and you do what we told you enough, and I think this is one of the things too that. So, because I grew up in Harlem, you know, '80s, '90s Harlem. Yeah, uh, one of the reasons why I love Pose, like something for me, like Pose, like reminded me of being a kid. Like it's you know, I got, like the New York, the '80s New York, the '90s New York. But then I went to private school on the Upper East Side. So that'll, that'll fuck you up all kind of ways. <laughs> and then I just I went I got into this business where I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to be judged by white girls my whole life. I thought I was going <laughs> to graduate and I was going to get free of that. And then I decided to do this. God damn it. <laughs> and I, but this idea of, you know. I, I went to school. I did my good grades. I, I know how to walk into a space. You know, we say, I always say, it's not about being a triple threat. It's quadruple because you got to sing, mm -hmm. dance, act, and make white people comfortable. And ah. I said, I learned it. I learned it. And yet, and yet, and I think certainly the, the world's response to COVID and the climate and those things that I look at to me being like, these aren't just black things, right? Like right, this is right. everybody and sort of your removal from it is based on whether you have the wealth to buy yourself a little more time. Cause that's all you're doing. You're buying yourself a little more time before you might have to move because your house has been flooded or yeah. something like that. But it's like the rage that is built up in me that I spent a lot of years taming. Cause I thought that taming it was how I was going to get further has now erupted and I just can't be bothered with nobody. And I'm like trying to figure out how to channel. Channel. Make it if it's gonna be there, can I yeah. be productive? Can it be well, productive? <laughs> it absolutely can be productive. I recommend a book by uh Dr. Uh Brittany Packnick Cunningham. No, not Brittany Packnick Cunningham, because she got married, not her. Uh uh Professor Crunk is her like uh, social media handle. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Brittany is her first name. Professor Brittany Crunk, I think is maybe it's Crunk, um, but uh, the name of the book is called Eloquent Rage. Well, honey, that's my whole brand. <laughs> I say, no, listen, I feel like I feel like I feel like you're going to find yourself in this book okay, um, because it really she does really line out how there is a place for the rage that Black women feel. Um, and um, that we can wield it into a space where it fuels things because I think that rage, uh, we have to be outraged. And what happens is because people understand that in theory, 
It is outrage that we need in order to make a change. So there's so much fake outrage. It's hysteria and fake outrage over trans people in sports. And mm -hmm. fake outrage because that's the way they think that they're going to get it to change. This is just unbelievable. I can't believe, you know, we got to protect the women. And I can't believe, when have y'all been about protecting women? <laughs> right. Ever. Like gas and then and gaslighting the women. Like, are you serious? Right, you talking right, about? right. Protect me when? When has you been? You know, so it honestly is a situation where I learned early on. We are America's in trouble. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, we got a little, we got a America, a little bit you, <laughs> you, in, you in danger, girl, you, you in danger, danger. Girl. you in danger, girl, because what I understand is I've talked to so many people in politics and it's sad the work that's being done to make people feel like they don't need to be engaged in politics or that it's too cumbersome to be involved in politics. Or oh, I really don't talk politics or get into politics and don't understand the political, the personal is political. Mm -hmm. Like everything about you in your life is on the ballot, everything right. about you. So it's things are not going to change. Things are not going to change and America's in danger because the people that have been elected into politics, I cannot believe. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't believe Borat. I saw the movie Borat one time. Like it was one of the Borat films. Uh, and it's sorry, I don't want to be talking about. I know it's, it's so hard to talk about things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but just saying that there was a moment he's talking to like a politician for real. Yeah. And a politician's almost showing that they don't have a reading level uh, past eighth grade. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, or I'm talking to some politicians, I'm talking to my girl, Renita Shannon, uh, who's a politician in Georgia, you know, somebody's been work, uh, fighting a hard fight for a long time. And she was telling me that they, how like some, they had given her a nickname at one point as the, the policy reader. You know why? Because or no, has. excuse me. No, excuse me. She was, they called her the bill reader. The bill reader. Do you know why? Yeah. They don't read the bills. She's the one who did the reading for the class. <laughs> so, She's the only one. So let's pause because <laughs> I, I know that sounds funny, right? Because it is funny for a moment. That's funny for a second. Now, I need you to let that in. I know. It's a period. And, and, and understand that the policies that we're voting on, they're not even fully reading. Yeah. And now the folks, the reason why folks are reading them these days and why there are some folks who are really tasking themselves to read is because they understand that when we've been negotiating with the devil on the other side of the deal, that they say, sure, we'll give you this. And they'll slide something else in the bill that you didn't read about. Mm -hmm. And now they've got to pretend like they read the bill the whole time. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a situation where the people who are representing you are not doing the work. A lot of folks aren't even reading the bills. Uh, listen, and everything is ran in a way that is so archaic. White men running this country in such an archaic way, banning books. Bitch, what? <laughs> right, right. When we have audio books and video, the kids are barely doing that anyway these days. So like, so like, girl, you're trying to cancel something that you can't cancel. So even when it comes to me, like, 
when it comes to the politics, I feel that we've got to think smarter, not harder. So the fact that people are struggling to read the bills, okay, we'll get that re- bill reader to do it for Audible. You know what I'm saying? Like, get the get the bill reader to read it on audiobook. Yep. And then at the very least, use like a metric system. Like we all have to take those um when you start a job and you gotta take that online training in the back room. And uh, <laughs> yep. you gotta hit next that I did watch that training. Yes, okay. Yes. You gotta watch the sexual harassment video with Ross from Friends. <laughs> you just gotta keep pressing the button. Let them know. I was here. I've been here the whole time. So we've got to do something to make at least make sure that the people are equipped to do the job that we're sending them in to do. Otherwise, wrap it up. Uh, what they call it? Uh, uh, put it up flat screen. I forgot what they call it. Hang it up flat screen. Yeah, just hang it up. It's it's a done deal. What are we even doing here and talking about here? How is it that a parent can get upset and get a whole book banned? Yeah, yeah, right. Because of a poem that was read on inauguration day. Right. I mean, it, the it, the system has fully become deranged and unhinged. I've been writing a lot about that. But okay, I want to get to some listeners' questions. But before that, I want to ask, how did you, your, I, wa- I want to th- think about your life on two tracks. How did your political consciousness develop? And at the same time, how did that affect your romantic life? Oh, God. Well, <laughs> right? Well, right? Because the, the, the more open your eyes are. The fewer people can really get in there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right? Like the more you know, the less you fuck yeah. with. Yeah. So how did that how did how did those two things work in tandem? Okay, so this is how it worked. I'm someone who again uh throughout my life have been involved in community. And so, you know, through the National LGBTQ Task Force, they would have different social justice trainings and different things. And I would become and even I would honestly say folks uh like Lords Ashley Hunter, um, and the Trans Women Color Collective, like folks like that radicalized me. And I I was radicalized into seeing the politics and seeing the systems of oppression underneath everything. Once I started to be able to see it, oh my God, like I, it, it pretty much ruined my dating life. Um, so many layers. So basically <laughs> uh, I was engaged to be married and I was with this guy for eight years and we were in South Florida um, he's Italian and um, hey, very handsome. And we lived in a gated community. And at one night we were sitting with our gay friends who this gay white couple. And I'm talking about some of some issue that came up maybe in the pop news or whatever about trans women, not maybe jobs or it, it was, I don't remember what, it, but I remember them saying to me, we were clinking our red glasses and they were like, Angelica, that's not your problem. You don't, you know, you don't have those issues. Like, uh, um, huh. and so I know that privilege has been something that has been um, not only something I have gained throughout my life for various reasons, but it's been offered to me in exchange for my complacency in exchange for my silence and my comfort. So it was then that I realized I didn't want to be with people who shut their eyes to the things that were going on in the world, who who felt like it wasn't their issue or their problem. Um, And when I broke off that relationship with that man, it was everybody I tried to date afterwards. It was just so clear against, it would be like white, I'd have these white like 
successful men who are conservative and Republican leaning talking to my trans ass (laughs) and I'm just confused uh, at how they're holding on to such conservative mindsets, Mm -hmm. but making room for these couple hours or making room for, you know, whatever. And so I, I stopped. I, 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 I don't know. I'll say this. I can't, I don't, I I said this on when I was on Oprah Winfrey, uh, Oprah's black women's own the conversation. And I talked about interracial dating and I talked about the fact that, Black people have to deal with some stuff that we haven't dealt with. And I'm going to put it right here on this table because my why not? But um, we have to deal with some stuff and we have to deal with the ways in which uh, racism and oppression and the experience of that has influenced our choices, influenced our choices of who we're dating, what hue of skin we're dating. And so there are so many black people who I'm going to call out right now (laughs) who are dating white people just because they're white. They're not attractive to them. They're not all that successful. (laughs) (laughs) They're not, you know, they're just white. And uh, some folks in our community, we haven't really talked about how different situations have made certain people feel like they can almost escape the brunt of racism. And that comes in spectrums, because it ain't just that. It comes in the spectrums of pull up your pants. Mm -hmm. It comes in the spectrums of academia and respectability politics. Um, So you got people who are politicians who can't believe that they were trying to open the key to their own door. And was accosted by the police or someone who's bird watching and can't believe that they've been, you know, because they're the right kind of black or they're the right kind of what have you. And what folks don't realize is that there's been this message that's been given to us that if we would just assimilate and there's so many different ways that people assimilate and that could be romantically. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized I had to de I had to like decolonize my mind Mm -hmm. around the ways in which I was choosing partners because it wasn't just that I was choosing to be with white men for whatever unconscious reasons and they were white. It was also this unconscious safety factor as a black trans woman that I didn't feel safe around black men, Mm. whether they were my family members or not. And so what I had to personally do was be radical beyond anything anyone told me. And what I had to say to myself was Angelica, no. You cannot allow the situations or anything to make you fear black men. You have to come into a place of radical love and to love them through this. Mm-hmm. And, what, and sometimes that love means distance. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes that, and it's the kind of love that James Baldwin would talk about, the love that he would have for America, that I love it enough, mm-hmm. that I'm willing to hold it accountable and to critique it. So... Because of that, there are a lot of women who are experiencing the fact that they just don't want to be knocked over the head with a club and dragged into the bedroom. Um, They actually want to like the men that they are partnering with. They want to make sure that the man that they're partnering with will not abuse their child, will not uh, abuse femininity wherever they see it, uh, will not tell their little boys that they can't cry, you know, will help with the house 
duties yeah. will help with help with life when it time when it comes time. The fact that we are becoming more aware of all of these things is making it hard for a lot of people. But let me just tell you this. What I've learned about love, and I, I, I feel so great about this, but what I've learned is that somehow religion and just the religious crusades that have happened over time to force people into an ideology has forced people to believe whether they even subscribe to religion or not, that they haven't yet fulfilled their role in life. If they haven't found the other half of their, oh, yeah. if you haven't found your other spiritual union or the person them have children with, mm-hmm. or just found someone yep. like, okay, you understand. So when the reality is, I'm sorry, but y'all Bible set a lot of y'all up. <laughs> It sets so many people up to be against themselves and to not understand that you have everything you need. All the love that you require is within you. And so what I learned is the type of relationship I want, I have to actually create with myself so that when I create that, what does it look like? Me letting a man into my life that doesn't treat me as well as I treat me. Right. Right. How does that even sound? So what that means is a lot of people don't know how to treat themselves and they're not treating themselves well. And what I've learned, and I know this is true because I did it myself, is that when we were swiping on the apps looking for that special someone, we're not all the way together and we don't love ourselves until someone swipes right on us. And now we want to pull ourselves together for the date. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to act like you don't even smoke no more because the person that swiped right on you <laughs> said they don't like cigarettes. Okay, I don't smoke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or whatever yeah. the thing is. But it just comes from the simple fact that you're not well with yourself. You're not loving yourself to the, to the point where you're attracting love. And what I mean by attracting love is I attract love. There are men who love me. And, and there are women who love me platonically, romantically, as friends. Um, and so I don't feel in this place of need or desire or want. I'm single and have been single for a, a long time. <laughs> I, I date. I've been dating. I was, was dating as one dude, but I had to let him go because he didn't fit the program that I was curating. Uh-huh. So... You know, and I get to decide that it ain't like he's just a completely bad dude. You know, you know, men like sometimes are like puppies. You can train them sometimes a little bit, <laughs> but a dog is going to still be a dog. Uh, <laughs> and, and, so, and so like, you know, I'm OK. I'm OK by myself. Like I can at the end of the night when the 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 the, the sun goes down and and and, you know, it's nighttime. I got me and my dog and. All the things and whether it's a book, whether it is silence, a good meal, dinner with friends, going to the Todger Call concert tonight, you know, whatever it is, is that I have friends that love me. I have family that love me. So when people say, aren't you scared of dying alone? How? When I'm such a beautiful, valuable being and I take stock in that 
And I'm surrounded by people who see that. I do not allow people in my space who don't see my value. Right. So I'm going to live a life to the time I check out, surrounded by people who love me, whether it's romantic or not. By the way, who is casually asking you, are you scared of dying alone? Like, No, people what, do that stuff. Men, what men do that all the damn time. That is, <laughs> and, and the people and the people who support patriarchy, right? You know that you ain't married, you don't got kids, you don't want kids. Well, that's what people do being alone. Me, it's like, well, who's gonna take care of you when you're older? And I'm like, you cannot go into having a child uh, with some sort of quid pro quo, right? Like this idea that I'm gonna have a kid so that when I'm 85 and I can't take care of myself, that kid is gonna come in. Well, what if my kid ain't got it together? What if my kid and I don't get along? What if my kid is suffering from health issues, mental or physical? Like, what are we saying about like, well, who, why should I have kids? Like, I don't, it, it, to me, it's just the wrong. What we're um, saying is, what we're saying is, you're not my problem. What we're saying is, is that who's going to take care of you? Because uh, we live in America, sweetie. I'm not paying for you. <laughs> so I don't care about your SSI check. <laughs> I don't care about your, who gonna take care of you? Instead of us creating a society that creates systems that value people when they're older and understand mm -hmm. they still have something to contribute. We don't just lock them away in a nursing home. They have experience that can be very, very valuable. We just live in, a, you know, and it, like I said, you say like, how do I sit with all of this? Am I, I'm not complacent, mm -hmm. but I'm also not in delusion or denial about any of this. So you could tell me it's uh, rain all day. I can smell piss. I know what piss smell like. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what? That's the perfect time for the break. Yes. Because I, <laughs> I know what piss smell like. And then the music out. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Dear listeners, Andy here doing the ad read again, and today we're talking about me undies. As the male half of couples therapy, I was asked to do this one because we're talking about boxers, which, and I hope I'm not breaking any confidences, Naomi does not wear. Now, if you're a podcast listener like me, you've heard plenty of ads for me undies, and frankly, I had always thought it's underwear. How special can it be? And then I tried them, and friends, it is like wearing magic. 
It is like wearing a dream. It is so soft, there is nothing earthly I can compare it to. I am embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed to say I'm middle-aged and just finding this out. But the material your underwear is made out of really does make a difference. I won't say where I usually get my boxers from, but for comparison, me undies are like wearing a cloud covered in angel's feathers, and the other ones I wear are like wearing a bear trap smothered in puke. MeUndies got style for everyone, from all black classics to fun expressive prints in sizes extra small to 4XL. And they use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that actually care for their workers. Also, I gotta point this out, there is a particular technology that the folks at MeUndies would like me to discuss. Now, you know Naomi is sex negative and I am sex neutral, so I didn't want to have to say what this technology is, so I asked friend of the show, friend in real life, Mort Burke, to say the phrase. So, okay, here it goes. For any listeners with penises and testicles, I can say medical words, I can say medical words, you might be interested in me undies sophisticated contoured pouch and ball caddy. What's that again, Mort? They're incredibly comfortable contoured pouch and ball caddy. Wonderful. Thanks, buddy. Okay, soft underwear comes in all packages at MeUndies. So to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash therapy. That's MeUndies.com slash therapy for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Can we take a minute and talk about Skims? Now, you know I'm a recent Skims convert, having tried their underwear in the last few months, and I am now living lifted, supported, changed. So I decided to keep trying new stuff. And let me tell you, Skims basics and foundations are where it's at. Yes, I recently got the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt. And y'all, it is so comfortable. It's been the perfect layer for me. I'm rocking it under a cardigan or a sweater when I want to keep it fitted and fabulous and not look all bulky. I mean, y'all know I'm back to work. Hashtag blessings. And I'm definitely that girl who is always cold in the office. Okay, I need my layers, but I'm still trying to look put together. And the soft, smoothing, seamless shirt is helping me get it right. And I also got the boyfriend t-shirt in Heather Gray, and it is so friggin' soft and comfortable, and it's giving casual but intentional when I wear it with a pair of jeans. I'm feeling very good in it. So if you want to give these and other basics a try, shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. Thank you for the range, Skims. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's skims.com. Go check out everything they've got and the new t-shirt shop. Angelica Ross here to help you handle your scandal. She done already got the book club going. She did drop three yes. books, okay? Yes, I wrote I them all down. I'm going to post them in the show notes. We all go get yes. a reading group together, and we're yes. going to decolonize the mind. That's yes. I'm going to give you one more book, Unlocking the Mysteries of Birth and Death. Okay. It's, it's a book that will completely change your life. I mean, that... A New Earth by uh, Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Um, a, new, a New Earth was one that really, really changed things for me because there's a chapter that talks about uh, how people get locked in role playing. 
And it talked about whether it's the role of mother and you don't know how to be anything else when they don't need a mother, they need someone else at this mm. stage. Or when someone's playing the role of doctor and can't see the human being in front of them and they're just playing a role. Someone's playing a role of police and you're the mm. role of person I'm investigating or whatever. Or when it comes to the roles of gender and how when people get so locked up in a role, how they lose the essence of themselves because they're caught up in playing a role. Just like gay people who have come out, said, I'm gay. I'm gay. Woo! I'm gay. <laughs> and the reality is a lot of folks end up finding out they're not gay. They're actually pansexual mm. ah. or, or yeah. they're bisexual they're just not straight so but what it is was there was such a rush to hop from one label to the next and so i think we have to and that's what eckhart totally talks about in the new earth is how we free ourselves from labels mm -hmm. it's great to have something that helps you point you in the right direction but as soon as you find a label that feels a little snug you better drop it because mm -hmm. you under have to understand that the word son is not the actual essence of what a son is and if you if we think we know what things are, then we can't actually sit in the awe of the sun. We can't sit in awe of daybreak. You understand what I'm saying? And really, because we just, oh, that's the sun. Instead of actually, no, 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 pause for a second. Do you understand what I'm saying? And be able to take in the yeah. essence. We use labels so that we think we can take a shortcut right. to our comfort being around someone and being the environment of someone. We want to have a shortcut to comfort. Make sure that yeah, I'm not yes. any, I'm not in danger. The shortcut to knowing too. Like you want to know, right? Because you're like, okay, well, I'm in control of the situation. I and know everything. I know what to expect. And I know what you're going to say before yeah, you say it. It's easy. <laughs> it is easy to do that. And then you can kind of just like sleepwalk through life yeah. and not worry about anything because you're reading off your script and you're like, and then when like, people who don't fit the description of like whatever it is in the script that it's supposed to be then you start like i you know you always run into those people where they're confused well, and by, that's why they get angry like, right like that's that again that whole thing of like you are stressed out because when somebody who doesn't fit the script comes around and they're just out here living i think it then caused you to question all of your profound sadness and discomfort because yes. you're like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i read the script i played by the rules where's my box and my comfort and then you don't have well, any candy Where's my candy? <laughs> well, you know, again, and, and that, that discomfort that people have, here's what I say, uh, and this is just true across the board. We as human beings, uh, there's in Buddhism, we uh, have this concept, it's called oneness and environment. And what it teaches you to understand is that you are not separate from your environment. If you want to change your environment, the quickest way in doing that is changing yourself. And so what, what happens is if we understand that we are all but a reflection, so then I can understand that whatever it is that you bring into this moment right now, that's not about me, girl. Mm -hmm. Your attitude, your energy, your negativity, that ain't about me, that don't got nothing to do with me. But something about you being in my presence is bringing out you. I don't ha I can't turn it off. I can't change the channel on you. You understand what I'm saying? So like when I'm standing in front of you, however you respond, that's you. You're that's you. So when people respond and see me and they get teary-eyed and they're like, "Oh my god, Angelica Ross, 
you're so beautiful and you're smart and you just make me feel so inspired and hopeful. All that is happening is that they're looking in the mirror. Hmm. When I'm then with other people who want to say, ugh, you're disgust me. You aren't real. You're a fraud. You are X, Y, and Z. All of it. Every single word is a reflection. So however, however you see transness. Clip that out for the haters. However you see, however you see transness, homophobia, however you see the world. Baby, it's a huge reflection. Because let me tell you, Donald Trump, Oh, y'all, y'all, let me. I know. <laughs> Angelica, squaring up, squaring up, getting ready, adjusting. Donald Trump is a reflection. And what is unfortunate is that white society is trying to use Donald Trump as a scapegoat, as if he's the problem and the evil one, when Donald Trump is a reflection, mm-hmm. sweetie. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is a reflection. And so, okay, well, what's the reflection? Okay, Angelica Ross, what's... <laughs> How are you reflected in that? Okay. What is reflecting is it's saying, who are you? In the time where Donald Trump exists, who are you in this time? I see him. Now I'm looking at you. What are you doing? Are you participating in the synergy of chaos and confusion? Are you trying to roll up your sleeves at all? Mm-hmm. Are you strong meaning some people especially men think they're so strong and there's so many women who who have shown me a strength that i don't think any man i've ever known has ever Mm -hmm. experienced are you really that strong or smart if you're in an environment with all dummies right so if Donald Trump is that great of a enemy or source or opposition, then I must be a great contender for what's happening in this arena. I need to become, because in order for us to get past this or overcome this moment, we have to overcome the challenge. We have to be the person who can stand up to that reflection and say, I see you and raise you one. Mm-hmm. I'm here to raise our level of vibration to a place where we understand where our humanity is flailing Mm -hmm. and we're no longer treating people with humanity. Some of y'all are losing the thing that makes you human. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Fuck the horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, I'm scared of you. We have to, because okay. I know that you don't have a lot of time left, but we have a, a question that people need you. People well, okay. need what you've been giving this give whole you, time. Do you, uh, do you want a meteor question or do you want a more fun question? I'm going to put that. Yeah, uh, let's, do a, let's do a fun question first. Okay. Let's do a fun question. Okay. Okay. This comes to us from voicemail. Okay. Right, here we go. Okay, great. Hi, Andy, Naomi, and guests. My name is Gabby, pronouns she, her. My question is, I... Know that asking how are you doing is not always a great question or how are you is not always a great question to ask 
our friends that might be struggling because they don't uh, maybe want to delve into that or we're not providing space to, like, you know, um, build conversation upon. So what is your favorite question to ask your friends? Um, I've done, like, what's your highlight of the day? And I've done, um, like, what did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> or what's something that made you smile? But I need some more. Please send it my way. Bye. All right. Mm. Okay. That's a really good question. And I really appreciate them, like, kind of, like, flagging that, that a lot of times we just by default ask hey how you doing and yeah. girl if i tell you like for real for real can you really hold the space exactly. you know exactly. for what i'm about to tell you so um i i i think that i will say this uh, i think that how are you actually is a great question when you are and i think that we need to work to be better people better friends and things like that and people to be able to be a space for the real answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that when you consider yourself a real friend to someone that you can really ask that question, you know, how are you doing number one? Um secondly, I would say um I would say what I have done for friends is I, I have some friends who I know are in struggle like because I can see it. I can see it like, let's say on social media, some of us may be getting dragged or we're in a fight for our life because there's idiots like just taking up your time and space or whatever. And you're trying to just educate on regular stuff, you know? So I know like I saw one of my friends, Francesca Ramsey, like, you know, just yeah, like, yes, folks were going like just <sighs> going in on. I don't know. I mean, every, yes. Literally going every after day, for years. every <laughs> day people are going after friends. I don't know how she got the patience for it. I really don't. I, you know, <laughs> And I, and I, but you know, so instead of asking her anything, the what I asked her is like, "Hey, you want to come over and hang out by the pool?" And uh, that's what we did. We just hung out for the day, and I knew, and I just created space for her to mm -hmm. not talk to the internet trolls and just talk to me. Yeah. You know, somebody who understands, because I also deal with a lot of the stuff that's going on. So I think um, whatever question that can bring more, about more presence, I mm -hmm. think is is a, a good question. Um, I would say another good question is: Have you seen? This hilarious video <laughs> I saw on such and such. And not, especially when you know that we are all, listen, we see everything that's going on. So as a black trans woman, please, if you consider yourself a friend of me, don't come to me with the gloom and doom. Did you see this? Did you see this black trans woman yeah, that got yeah. uh, beat up and blah, blah, blah? I uh, Rest assured, not only did I already probably see it, but if I haven't seen it, I'm going to, so please allow me this moment to not mm -hmm. focus on the gloom and doom. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So bring levity and joy into your friend's life. So it could be asking them, uh, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> you know, to get to McDonald's, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. just bring in levity. I think that's yeah. always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. yeah. The currency in our relationship is sending each other dog. Instead of sending each other, you know, whatever is happening in the news is dog videos. Oh, yes. yeah. We like a nice picture, just an animal. I'm always saying who we adopted, even though we already got two animals. Okay. Oh, my goodness. And I'm yes. always like, another one. Like, <laughs> but it's so true the love language of sending stuff. And then also, like, I think when it comes to talking to people, you know, and something I just have to get better about, just because I notice in just 
in LA for me, I feel a little more disconnected from people than I did when I was in New York. And oh, so yeah. it's much more of a concerted effort to like reach out and like send a message, right? And say, how are you doing? But my thing is also like, what do you need? You know what I mean? Or what are you doing for dinner? Like the little kind of things of like, just a way to open up the conversation. Cause I think that we are all taught to be self-sufficient and if nothing mm-hmm. else, even us, even people who are aware, we're all taught everybody. If we, we all got pain so that you don't want to say anything to anybody, but then you isolate as a result of that. Right. It can be a little self-fulfilling. Yeah. And so just kind of being like to say with somebody like I will, I'm all about sending somebody something via Postmates. You know what I mean? Like you want some food, you want something to drink, you want something. That's just like, amazing. You just want stuff to come to you sometimes. And you want it to be a treat. And you don't want to spend your own money. And it's like a little. But you know what? But you also have to understand relationships. And again, stop calling people your friends that are not your friends. So, like, I Kaylin Allen is my friend. So my thing is, I do self-manage and keep to myself and I manage because I do think that we as adults, because everybody is dealing with something. So handle your shit, Carol. You know what I'm saying? Keep your shit together, Carol. But at the same time, you know, understand that there are people who are here for you, that you need to let people be here for you. So don't burden yourself, like constantly call somebody and they always, here she go, oh girl, she calling me again, she go. (laughs) You know, because people will be willing to be there for you if you're also there for them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you reciprocate these kind of spaces. So, like, I'll text Kaylin. And I'll be like, I need a vent. He will FaceTime me two seconds later. Right. Because right. he knows that I handle my shit and I'm doing my things. But if I need a vent, I, she needs to vent. Right. Right. And right, I'm not right. judging her about what she's venting about and all those things. If your friends are judging you, you have the wrong friends. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, this, the question comes from, I see it in my parents, this place where uh, asking how are you, they think is triggering. Like my parents don't ask that question a lot. Yeah, they've they they gotten like, better. They've gotten yeah. better. They actually texted me. They said, how's Naomi? <laughs> okay. they, they didn't ask how am I, but they did ask <laughs> how my wife is. So, okay, we're, we're making some progress. But they, you know, they thought that if they were to ask that question, it might bring up a problem that someone was having and they didn't want that person to have to think of their problem. So it comes from a good place. I think I, it can come from a good place. Yeah. But yeah. You know, it's also I, sometimes yeah. people not wanting to be bothered with your problems either. Well, like, yeah. And again, like I said, I get that. I absolutely get it. I think everything's balanced. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I have friends that are going through a lot of, that are struggling right now. And we get on the phone together. We talk about shows they've been to and movies we've seen and books we're reading. And we share about that stuff. And there's a lot of things that are, you know, you don't have to be so frivolous. Like, you know, talk about like, oh, so the temperature in uh, (laughs) Phoenix, Arizona, pretty high today, huh? You don't have to be that drab. But you also don't have to, you don't have to, if, if they are maybe not ready to talk about something or have talked about it right you know ad nauseum right you just like because sometimes you want the distraction you want you're like hey tell me about what's up because i've been in my head i i get that and trust me like i value that and i understand i need sometimes people to snap me out of my stuff and be like hey let's not think about this for a second let's just go to the beach you know what i'm saying like so sometimes we need those moments but i will say this you do need to have your your fringe I believe, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I uh, think that your friends should be like your board of directors. Um, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you're the CEO of your life. And these are people who you should be able to come to and bounce your ideas off of, um, who will help you champion in your ideas, who will, even if they're not like, because again, board members all give different ways to different capacities. Even if that is somebody who can help be an accomplice. You understand what I'm saying to your life. That's what you want. You, I don't, I don't, I'm not really friends with, I'll say this. I am someone who's a man, humanitarian. So I have love for all people, but I'm not friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. And, and the people I call my actual friends are people who are capable people. Because I need you to be capable for me just as much as I'm capable for you. Because if it's a one-sided thing, baby, I'm a service provider. Yeah. yeah. I'm a free, free therapist. Mm -hmm. But unless you can help me see at this level from 50, from 50 feet above everything. <laughs> but no, you still help trying to help me see things from this level. That bitch don't like you. <laughs> blah, 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 whatever, whatever, you yeah, know, whatever it yeah. is from a lower level of seeing things, I need people to raise my vision. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's not just about having those people who help you unplug, but it's about truly having friends and people who can actually influence your life for the better. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah. Angelica, do you have time for one more? You, you yes. Let's get, let, let's get a, okay. let's get a serious I'm, question. Yeah. All okay. Right, yeah. Let's the, serious. This one comes to us uh, from an Instagram direct message. They said, call them NeuroSpicy Doctor. Now, <laughs> one of our listeners coined the term NeuroSpicy. I forget their name. Apologies. I will find it and credit you <laughs> later. Uh, but uh, for uh, NeuroDivergent, they're like, hey, yes, use yeah, NeuroSpicy. NeuroSpicy okay. yeah. Essentially, yes. I'd love for you, Andy, Naomi, and one of your amazing guests. Well, here you go. To share when in the dating process they think someone should share that they are trans. <laughs> what? it? Well, we have an amazing guest. My gender falls solidly as male, so I have privilege in being recognized within normative gender conceptions. I currently tell people on the apps after we're discussing meeting up, since I don't want to waste my time with someone who is transphobic. You'd be surprised by how many people tell me I'm strong, beautiful, etc., but don't want to go on a date despite asking me out before knowing this information. Plus, it's increasingly scary being trans, although much less scary for me than many others since I'm essentially a white man now. However, disclosing this part of my history, albeit a significant part of my story, and navigating the assumptions about my body this early in dating is exhausting. Exhausting. I'm post-phalloplasty, so physically I'm the same as a cisgender man who may have had the same surgery after an injury and also requires exogenous hormones. But as we all know, gender diversity is pathologized. Plus, I live in Miss Michigan now. I'm a mm. physician and can't pick where I live. So navigating all of this is more challenging than some other states slash cities. Some background, if it's helpful. I know the question is long. I'm 30. No, no, no. Because I'm taking notes because I, I got a very specific one for this one. But go ahead. I'm 38 and grew up in Texas in the 90s. I now realize with the help of an incredible therapist that I did a great job of hiding myself to survive. So great that I didn't start to open the door on who I am until age 30. Okay. Not being myself was killing me. I started medically transitioning when I was 31 and can't overstate how much better my life is. I wouldn't be alive today without that medical care. I find it hard to express how much pain and hardship I could have avoided if I had received evidence-based care as a child, hormone blockers, etc. 
Anyhow, sorry for the long message. I tried to shorten it, but thought the information may help contextualize the question. Thank you both for all that you do. Do not apologize. It was not a long message. It was not a long one. This was the pertinent information because I always say you got to give me enough detail. I need context. Absolutely. I need context. So there's layers to this one, right? Okay. So there's a couple layers uh, that I want to. Oof, when I tell y'all, out. Angelica has a pen. Okay, I need you to know she was not joking <laughs> I, I, about listen, the notes. I, there is I a pen. had a, I had to take notes because I want to push back on this listener a little bit and call out a few things. Mm. Baby, sweetie, I hear what you're saying that you are a physician and that uh, so you can't choose where you live. Um, baby, I need you to unpack that privilege. Uh, I hear you that there are certain elements of licensure and different things that you have to sort of do. But this is not coming from Japan or Saudi Arabia to the U.S. where now they invalidate your whole schooling and you now are a taxi cab driver, even though you can be a doctor. That's not that kind of situation. It's not the same thing. So just I want you to be careful with the word can't and only because that word can cast a spell on your life. First off. Secondly, I want to say when you talk about when do you say, uh, when do you reveal your trans? Hmm. Uh, now you've asked the right person this question. And so my answer uh, is going to be a little complicated. And so what my answer is going to be is that obviously it's going to be to each person uh, to their own. But I will say this. Number one, I will say um, you can't tell people like that they should disclose before they even meet somebody or the, the first date because that's great for uh, the dating apps, but that's not great when you're out at a bar just there and a man sees you and wants to talk to you. So the reality is it depends. So the answer to the question is it depends. And that answer, we need to understand as a society, we have to get to a place in advocacy that trans people do not owe you disclosure. We're not there yet, mm-hmm. but the reality is that there are a lot of men who have not disclosed they are assholes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that they are serial cheaters. Or uh, serial killers. Okay. Or serial killers. <laughs> They're out yeah. They're not disclosing that to you. You gotta wait a little bit before you find that one out. So. Here's the, the reality is, is that some of us girls, I'm going to use this word, these words very lightly. Um, some of us used to go about it by not disclosing right away and letting folks get to know us first. And what I'll say is it's a spectrum of privilege to be able to do this, right? Because if you're not, if you're not quote unquote passable or cis assumed, then you don't even have the ability to play that game with folks, right? So it is a game though that you yourself will end up losing uh, if you don't come to it correctly. And I will say this, that um, there are moments when like a man or usually a man, uh, but let's say uh, that where I'm allowing someone to get to know me and because I know me and that I'm such a mesmerizing person, I'm beautiful. I'm intelligent. 
I am successful. I am many things that you would want in a partner. So I recognize that. So when people get to know me, what happens is for some trans people, what we've experienced is once folks get to know you, something shifts in them. It's basically like that whole saying, once you know a person's story, you can't hate them sort of situation. It's very similar for some of us that once they actually see us and get to know us, and then we tell them this information, they can't exactly turn off the admiration. Right. They can't turn off the, 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 the feelings, the butterflies. They can't turn off certain things. But those who are in an unhealthy space are going to internalize everything the world says about you. And now in this moment, they're going to take this negative reflection and be like, wait. Does this mean I'm gay now because I am a I was attracted to you in the first place? They start spir- they might start spiraling down this thing. So like that has worked sometimes for some people is telling them later and giving them a chance to get to know you. I used to be the girl who swore by that one because that was what worked for me. Yeah. I, I realized I could have any dude I wanted. They just needed a few moments to get to know me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's, that's just how it worked for me. Yeah. But things are, but that doesn't work for everyone. And it's a, it's, it can be violent depending on, you know, right. the situations you might be in. So here's what I'm going to say about that, sweetie. The world is calling on, the world is in dire need of of authentic reflections, whether it's in our media and representation and all the different things. And the situation is you not revealing that you're trans from from the jump. I think, in my opinion, is signaling somewhere that you yourself don't see that as an asset or a value. Mm. Um, that that's and I you one thing we do know automatically. I know automatically that me saying I'm trans is going to cut off a lot of people, and they won't even try to get to know me. And I've actually been so grateful for that. I've been grateful in the ways that people say rejection is God's protection. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone who just at the flip of a word will cancel me out. Not only that, I'm actually done with this world, not valuing my transness. One thing I want to say very clearly to cis women out there. (laughs) Sweetie, I don't want to be you. I'm not looking to replace you. All I want to do is become. Same way that y'all get to choose BBLs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and breast implants and nose jobs. The same way that you get to manage your hormones when they are out of whack. The same stuff you have access to. That's all I want is access Mm -hmm. to that because guess what? I wouldn't care about you knowing I'm trans or not if I knew I was safe. Right. 
And so that is what people don't have to understand is that disclosure most times has to do with a safety issue. Do I feel safe in this space to actually even tell you who I am? Or do I need to wait till I get home first mm -hmm. and then tell you over the phone? So when I meet that guy at the bar, do I want to disclose to him that I'm trans right there so that his friends and everybody else and nobody else gets embarrassed and blah, blah, blah? Hell the fuck no. Mm -hmm. Because it, unless I'm at an LGBTQ event where they know who the hell I am, I am me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's Angelica Ross. Hey, baby. Yes, I'm me. The Angelica Ross sure is. <laughs> but but if I'm in a place where don't nobody know me like that and I'm just in a room, point, case in point, before I was super, super famous, I remember going to this clause uh, when I was on the show. Oh, I can't even talk about that stuff. But anyway, so I'm just, yeah. I, I can't even talk about it. But I'm just going <laughs> to say that, like, I just remember when I was in certain spaces, Hollywood spaces. And they see this beautiful black queen come into the dough mm -hmm. and they're like, who is that? Right. Giving model, giving statuesque. She's giving model, statuesque skin, yeah. hair. Oh, every, she's giving tens across the board, but they yeah. don't know that, but tens across the board. <laughs> and there are guys who want to talk to me. And at some point, some guy ends up cornering me into, uh, you know, and is like talking to me and wants to, you know, maybe get my number or what have you. Um, when I then, I've been in rooms when I then, if I've told that person or told someone I'm trans, it's like watching a game of telephone. Hmm. From you, you can, it's like really? watching a, a wave of energy go across the room, the room? as your huh. information gets uh. let out across the room. Bitch, no. <laughs> and it's always the shock value. And it, the, 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 it's so much to unpack. And so we just have to get to a place. And I'm here now. That's why I identify as a non-binary black woman. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, a non-binary black trans woman. I mean, I can use, I can pick and choose mm -hmm. to put any of those in and out as I want to. But what I'm saying is I'm a non-binary black trans woman. And what that means is I'm sitting here in a t-shirt and, and, and sweatpants rocking a fro and minimal makeup or whatever the case is. Or sometimes I'm going to be a little bit more uh, masculine presenting. Sometimes I'm going to be not as femme presenting. Sometimes I'm going to be high femme presenting. But what I know is I love me. I love everything about me. I love even the struggles, the sex work I came through. I love everything about my story is so beautiful and valuable and ain't no way in the world I would trade in my space and that comfort for someone's uncomfortable mm -hmm. uncomfortability around me and who I am and what this is so bumble hinge <laughs> all of them thank you for allowing me to put trans up front yeah because I put that right up front and guess what the men still don't read so I still <laughs> I still have to go afterwards and be like, sweetie, did you read my yeah. profile? Yeah. <laughs> and after I ask that question, either he will unmatch and not even say anything else. Or they would say, of course I read your profile. Who doesn't read profiles? <laughs> the men say that. And I'm like, you would. You would uh, yeah. So when to, when to disclose, I would say 
here's I I have a podcast that I'm going to be launching soon, um, and it's going to be called No. It's called No Opportunity Wasted. Um, and I got that saying, even though that's a general saying that's been around forever, but I got that saying specifically from my Buddhist organization, and it came from the uh, question of when is the right time to say or do something. And as a Buddhist, we learn this concept of time and capacity, time, when, and capacity. And what we learn is the time is always now. Mm. But what it is, is that you have to learn how to take a moment and assess your capacity right now. How much energy do I have for this situation right, right now? Right. Am I ready to tussle if I need to? Right. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. Am I, do I have the capacity? Mm-hmm. And... The person across from me, do they have do they do they have the capacity to hear me? And the way you assess that, you don't even have to come out yet. You can talk about current affairs that involve other things and just listen. Just listen. Because let me tell you something. There's not a single person, there's not a single man who is homophobic, who's not also misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So listen, baby. Because if you hear that misogyny, guess what's right behind it? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 So, so you just need to yeah. learn to assess the situation and always, just like consent is a moving target and that consent is always something that you need to check in on. We have to become people who are just in tune with ourselves and our own capacity and in tune with our environments to know that I'm not in a place right now where that has the capacity to even handle my truth. So what instead I'm going to do is now take this moment, no opportunity wasted, and I'm going to show up as whether it's the most beautiful person in the room, whether it's just me being me. And so that when I leave that room and they talk about that beautiful girl, I didn't even have to come out. I didn't say nothing. All they knew is now that's a, a, a version of a trans person I didn't know existed or I didn't come in. I didn't know. And now whatever that moment was, that was a seed. I didn't even have to say nothing to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. That's how that's. And it's unfortunate that we have to be that capable because people who are causing chaos don't have to have any kind of right. organization around that chaos. Not at, right. not at all. Right. That's why it's called chaos. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? But if you are any one of any kind of leadership or organization, you can't be flawed in your presentation or the way that you deliver certain things. Otherwise, they're going to attack what you're saying or whatever. So it's it's unfair at how, whether it's Democrats or whether it's LGBTQ people or black people, it's unfair at how eloquent we have to right. be with our rage. Right. Right. But, you know, it, you, it is the game. That is the game. That is the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Angelica. 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 You cleared you. up my skin. <laughs> you got my head right. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Giving us your time. Giving up your wisdom. Helping our writers, our callers get their lives. Yes. You've done You've done some. You know, I want you to sleep easy tonight. Okay? You've done a lot. You've done a Thank lot you. for so many. I appreciate it. I will sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.